Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I'm Nate Langson, and this text message was sent on Sunday the 15th of February. First, Ian Morris and myself are looking back and scrutinizing the week in top of the pods. The choices cuts in tech affecting the UK and its buddies over the last seven spins of the planet. According to Stuart Dredge on The Guardian, quarterly spending on mobile game Candy Crush Saga fell steadily over the course of 2014, but its players still spent $1.33 billion, that's about £865 in real money, on in-app purchases for the sweet-swapping hit. This comes from analysis from The Guardian that publisher King's latest financial results revealed that Candy Crush Saga's gross bookings, which is the term King uses to cover spending by players, totaled $1 billion in the second half of 2013, which basically means that spending over an 18-month period was 2.4 billion dollars almost. This is ridiculous. Ian, welcome to this week's show. Uh, good to be here, mate. Have you been crushing candies recently? Well, I have played the game, but it would never occur to me to pay any money for it. This is the problem a lot of people have, but a lot of people are spending quite a lot of money. A billion dollars, and this is purely in-app payments. How many uh, players does it have? Do you know? A lot. Because I want to know. I don't know what. I don't. I want to know what the average is per player. Because yeah. I could live with it if it was like five dollars or something. Um, but if if people have, and I know that people do spend hundreds of dollars on these things. I, I was taught. I was taught. I had a conversation uh, a long time ago. I think it was someone at EA, um, and they were saying that that you know on the official forums they have people talking about it and how they've you know these guys save up money and or you know spend a percentage of their income on it. And it was you know three or four hundred dollars a a month or something for one particular game for for some of them. And I just think well yeah. each their own. I guess if you can afford it, whatever. But I I just don't like that model. For gaming, at there all. was a, there was a there was a, a study done. I just looked this up in November 2013 that suggested that across iOS, Android, and Facebook, it had half a billion players. That's B mm. with a B. Yeah, so that's a billion not... with a B. So it doesn't work out to be a huge amount per player, does it? What is you know two bucks or something? Um, you know, I mean, obviously yeah. most of them won't pay. Presumably. Yeah, you've had that. You've you you've well rationalised this, but I still think it's kind of amazing that we are still in 2014 or 2015 able to have a game that costs nothing to 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 play and can be manipulated through gameplay to make um, a billion or well 2.4 billion dollars over an eight million period. I mean, that is a ridiculous amount of money. Ridiculous. But I'm in some ways, as much as I hate the model, I actually kind of think it's a good thing. At least it gives gaming an opportunity to do something different. Um, I'm, again, you- and you can play it for free, and it's not impossible. Um, I mean, it probably gets impossible. But for people like me, I tend to play those simple games for a little bit and then get quite bored of them and have no real desperate wish to carry on. Um, so that suits me because I can the free bit covers the bit that I play and then if you want to be more advanced, then you pay and I don't. But it's but it's often not like that anymore because games they know that they can make, if not 
this crazy amount of money. They can make money by designing a game where you have to effectively pay or spend huge amounts of time so uh, to, to get through the game. I mean, think if this was the Mario Brothers, this would not work. Mario was a plumber, not a businessman. This is a fact. You don't have to have a degree in economics to play the Mario games. It is more like an arcade game where you put in, you know, 10p, 20p to play. And I get that. But it's when it's when this affects story-based games and things like that. And it's ruining what would be great mobile releases. I think a great example is SimCity. Out at mm. the moment, it's called SimCity oh, Build. It. It's a gorgeous-looking game, and the damn thing—the damn thing—will not let you progress unless you keep paying to make buildings in this. Now, yeah. wouldn't it be great to have a nice HD version running on like a high-end Samsung or a high-end Apple device? Like it was a brilliant time, and I just fear that it's a disease. And if this disease infects Theme Hospital, ironically, <laughs> I'm going to be pissed. Pissed. Do you know off what? Because th- go on. Well, no, I was, uh, what I was going to say is actually um, uh, one of the problems I have with it, and, and actually you made a really good point there, it is a bit like the arcade model, but one of the problems I have with it is that you look at those games and they're all exactly the same as each other. You know, there is no difference between SimCity and Jurassic Park Builder, and there's no, no difference between Jurassic Park Builder and The Simpsons, and there's no difference between that and the Family Guy game. Well, I, dig- I disagree on a couple of levels. I do disagree on a couple of levels. And one of the levels is that there is character affection. So you might yeah. want to play Family Guy because you got bored of all the quotes coming out of the Simpsons ones. And the other one is that psychologically it feels different. It doesn't feel like you've pumped a load of money into the previous one. And, you know, the new one is a fresh experience. And I think that that is part of the issue i'm just terrified terrified of some classic games that are desperately waiting for a reboot and sonic the hedgehog has done this sonic dash (laughs) was a great little runner but the damn thing always wanted you to spend money and i just think if this touches some really beautiful rebuild possible games like theme hospital which is a great one i am not paying extra money to cure bloaty head syndrome and anybody who has played that game and feels as passionately about its legacy as i do will know that paying to cure bloaty head syndrome is tantamount to paying to be punched in the balls i'm not going down that road even if it is good business presently it ultimately will alienate your hardcore fans and that's not what i think ea is it trying will. to do and, and we, least... we have to resist it to some extent because otherwise we're going to end up with every game having being you know at least partially done that and i suppose dlc is essentially that isn't it it is mm. a, 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 you know trying to monetize the living hell out of absolutely everything and yeah it has to be resisted to some degree not on my watch. Let's move on. At number two of Top of the Pods, Megan Guess, I think it's Guess, on Ars Technica has written that the practice of revenge porn, in which someone posts or distributes a nude or sexually explicit photo of another person without their consent, was made illegal in England and Wales last week. And the rule will come into force later this year, according to the BBC. Now, here's the really interesting thing. The bill was approved by the Queen which means that revenge porn is defined as photos and films of people who have not consented, blah 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 and who are, quote, engaged in sexual activity or depicted in a sexual way with their genitals exposed, where what is shown would not usually be seen in public. So this is something that is now going to be punishable under law. Here's where it gets weird. Number one, the, somebody had to explain to the Queen what revenge porn was. Ian, how do you think that conversation went? 
I have absolutely no idea. What? What? How do you broach the tub, the subject with a queen? Hey, Queenie, uh, let's have a cup of tea and talk about how people post pictures of former lovers online. It's a difficult yep. one, right? Yeah, it is. But um, you know, I mean, the queen is a very progressive queen. She, she is. has been. She has been. She sent one of the first international emails. Yes, I think around nineteen in the nineteen late nineteen seventies, she sent an email. Um, she she's got an iPod. Wow, you know, this she's that she's puts her in around the but, early two thousands, right? Yeah. Progressively speaking, um, <laughs> fair enough. But but on on the on the on the main news, this is good, right? This is we don't want revenge porn to be ignored by the law because it can be hugely damaging. Do you know want to know, want to know one funny thing about this though that that just once again proves how utterly clueless everyone involved in government is when it comes to matters of technology. They, um, I believe it's this way round. They the law uh, says video. So video is uh, no, is that right? No, it's it's uh, yes, I think it's video. Um, so only one of them was made illegal. So they have to add an amendment in to make it so that photos are illegal. I believe it's that way around. So it it was kind of a bit of a fudge, even though that you know it's a great law. It should absolutely be there. There would be there is no excuse for it not being there. But again, my my long-standing argument with the government is that they just don't understand technology and seemingly can't find anyone that does to explain it to them. There was a case in the US a few years ago, I remember, where a girl was charged with the creation and distribution of child pornography. Oh, yeah. The I problem was, is that it was photos she had taken of herself to send to a boy mm. at school. And I think the teacher caught the photos on his phone. Um, yeah. But the girl was the one that got in trouble for distributing it, which I just well, find I, to I be... I mean, A, probably worthwhile having a serious chat with them about how it's not cool or safe to take those sorts of photos of yourself and send them um, to kids. Yeah, well, you get, that's going to be a conversation that's going to have very little impact because, let's be honest, as, as my understanding of it is, that that's what the kids do. And I'm not happy about it, rest assured. No. But, you know, it, it, what can you do? It, it's, what, it's another one of these things, isn't it? it? It's been happening in some form for, you know, as long as there have been people like behind a bike shed or something like that it's just it's the technology just no, makes no, no. it honestly you can go back further i've been in caves and i have seen what is essentially <laughs> sexting on the wall it's just extremely slow you know you have to you have to carve yes. it in there and then you have to <laughs> wait until that person comes in it's you know. amazing yes just extremely slow <laughs> look it's boobs oh man yeah <laughs> cave porn <laughs> yes it's well anyway uh, like you i i applaud the law i applaud the law but um i yeah i just wish we didn't have to have laws to to enforce common sense in people but i guess you do i think i think it's a good thing but that's going to become law later this year we will see if that makes a difference and at number one or at least at the top of our list for Top of the Pods this week, according to Elizabeth Howell on Send.com, the next edition of a fan-made Star Trek series has passed its $100,000 goal. And at the time of writing, at least, was more than a week to go, which I think is about to pass almost. This is called Star Trek Continues which has raised huge amounts of money on the crowdfunding site Kickstarter, even before its uh, target had finished. And um, the series wants to finish the final two years 
pardon me, of the five-year mission made famous by the original Star Trek series from the 1960s. Ian, as a Star Trek fan, as a TV fan, what are your views on these sorts of fan-made sequels? Like, fan fan fiction is one thing, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey has been very successful at, <laughs> uh, as a fan fiction um, project, but Star Trek... I mean, that you might as well try and continue the story of the Bible in terms of how angry people could get at you. Yeah, I mean, as a rule, people are generally kind of positive about fan-made fiction, aren't they? Um, and Star Trek's one of these ones as well that it has had the involvement at some stages in certain ones with um, with actual people who've been in Star Trek. Like, I know um, Tim Russ, who was in Voyager, was very involved in um, a lot of the, some of the fan-made ones. I mean, that they're a bit more than fan-made. Um, who did he play yeah. in Voyager? Neelix? Yeah, no, uh, Tuvok. Oh, Tuvok. Yeah. He looks, um, he looks good. He looks like, he looks like a slightly younger Morgan Freeman now. <laughs> does he? Uh, well, I, I don't know if he's been in anything. Um, Star Trek does tend to kill careers, doesn't it? I mean, you either basically just do Star Trek for the rest of your life, um, which of course uh, you can make a decent mm, career out actually, of. Actually, I have to say, um, the woman who played Janeway, Captain Janeway in Voyager, is actually the voice of Flemeth in Dragon Age. And I think you'll agree with me that that is not a role to be sneezed at. Well, no, I mean, it, um, indeed, uh, Catherine Janeway, um, oh, Kate Mulgrew, uh, she's in Orange is the New Black as well, the Netflix original series. So she has a vibrant and ongoing career, but then she she did before. Um, other people who've been involved in um, in Star Trek have, have not fared so well. But, you know, it, it, um, you still make money out of it. The convention thing seems to pay pretty well, I would imagine. So yeah. uh, I don't feel too sorry for them. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I... I, I when you're talking about continuing the original series, it becomes kind of difficult because obviously I miss the original actors, uh, but they're all mostly dead and very old in the cases yes. where they're not dead. Um, so getting them back would be impossible. Um, yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't bother watching it, but I don't have any problem with people going for it. I mean, it's kind of cool, isn't it? It is kind of cool, and there's certainly things that I would like to see continued that are just not being made anymore. You know, The Good Life, quite different from Star oh, Trek, without question. Amazing, you know, though. Although there was a lot of homegrown, you know, replication of vegetables in both. But, um, you know, that would be an interesting thing to see how it happened. And to be perfectly honest, not that I ever want them to make more episodes of Friends. I am definitely keen for someone to at least write about what happened after that. Like an official sort of, this is where they are 10 years on sort of thing. I don't right. want to see them. I don't want it to be a movie, Sex and the City style. But I do think there is room for it to be written. Um, but as you say, if there's any kind of an official involvement, you can... Uh, you you could hazard a guess that it's at least not completely unrealistic for whatever a fan comes up with um, could be correct. But we will we will have to watch and, and make our own minds up on that. That's going to do it for Top of the Pods. But we have one thing in sense of rumour for this week, which is that according to the Wall Street Journal, Apple has several hundred employees working secretly in private behind boxed windows and blacked out doors, or maybe the other way around, who knows, uh, creating an Apple-branded electric vehicle. This is according to those incredibly knowledgeable people familiar with the matter, who said that the project is codenamed Titan, and an initial design of a vehicle that resembles a minivan is in the works. Ian, electric cars I from Apple. Don't believe a I mean, word of it. I just cannot imagine. I mean, Apple's got more money than anyone, so they can do what they want. You know, they've, they've definitely got the finance to do it if they so chose. But why would they? 
what what is in it for apple in terms well, of cars i completely agree i think there is one that one of the advantages could be to test other hardware in in cars for that they intend to ship in future but why they couldn't just retrofit an existing vehicle with that i don't know and that's where that theory breaks down the other one is that there was a leaked photo that came out of one of the apple blogs um i think a week or so ago that showed what looked to be sort of a, a large car with a street view type um contraption on the top that had several cameras on it and i wonder if all of this is tied in and, and apple's sort of creating its own electric cars with which to do a street view competitor to map the earth and they will say Maybe. well instead of doing it instead of doing it with petrol powered vehicles we're going to be the greenest street mappers ever and they're actually making it for themselves to use and it's part of their next their sort of future mapping business that that personally that's one of my theories um and i think that it, it could be it could have an element of truth. What if they were doing something um, with the idea that they might power self-driving cars? What if they were this car was out there adding a layer of information to mapping that would enable self-driving cars somehow? That could be plausible, couldn't it? Because that might be something yep. to tie into if Apple wants to get involved in embedded things for cars, which obviously they do because they have an, a car product. Th there's a possibility. But you're right, of course, because they are going to want to do all sorts of things with their maps if they're committed to keeping that going which obviously they kind of have to be now um you know so that they're going to want to get all that so you could absolutely be right that makes sense you know what though apple would never make a car anyway unless apple could also make the roads <laughs> i just it isn't a very apple thing to do and i don't see what apple could bring to cars that uh, you know tesla isn't bringing to cars and i don't understand I don't understand how they get sign off for it from the board anyway, because it's just going to cost a lot of money and not mm. really return any profit for a very long time. I mean, Tesla's not yet in profit, is it? So, it, no, and they have a, Tesla's just had a very, very bad quarterly earnings report. In yeah, fact, and, and, and that's because drop. it's really expensive to develop cars, and the the kind of technology going into Teslas is is pretty remarkable. Um, you know, and I'm sure they'll get there first, but I don't know. If I was Apple, why I would I wouldn't prioritize that? That Apple doesn't really do anything outside of its thing, does it? I mean, you could say it didn't do phones before it did, but at the same time, the phone was never a massive leap away from what it did in its core. And also, if you look at it, it was quite a smart move because it's powered a load of other stuff and probably continue to do so. Very true. I agree. I, I agree that whatever Apple is doing with cars, the end game is not producing a car of its own, but technology that could enable other cars to run better or integrate mm. more with apple's devices or services i agree but as we know this is just a rumor that we have a sense of and we'll just i mean i hate to say we'll have to find out or wait and see because that's the lazy person's way of ending a story but that is basically all we can do at this point which yeah. is going to wrap up the uh sense of rumor for this week and we are going to slither our way through the compost that is this podcast into the heart of the main topic discussion. Ian, you have sat in front of a TV before, have you not? <laughs> yeah, I certainly have done that, both professionally and for pleasure. And you have a wife, I'm assuming who is for pleasure, not uh, work. Although yes, well, a, I'm, a slightly... I certainly don't earn any money. I think <laughs> she, for that matter. <laughs> so, and, and, yes, uh, it would be a very poor I business imagine... venture. 
I imagine that you have had many conversations with her, such as, um, what is this? I told you yes. I don't like this. <laughs> Get this again, John really? off my goddamn TV. And then all yeah. of a sudden, imagine this in your future. Imagine as you're sitting there watching whatever you're watching on TV at the time, an advert comes up for something different. Um, maybe a Domino's takeout. Um, maybe something that isn't Domino's. Um, I'm not very good with takeout <laughs> food. I basically eat at either gourmet burger kitchen or I just boil potatoes in a pan and just. And you're not a fan of melted cheese, are you? So Domino's is well I'm out not for a- you. I don't mind melted cheese if it is my mouth doing the melting. What I don't want is a food taking it into its own stride to melt the cheese. Case in point, refrigerate the cheese, eat it only as you're inserting the baked potato into the mouth. Thus, you have the perfect combination of cold cheese, hot potato, and the melting is what gives you the beautiful taste in the mouth. This is a digression. This is a digression. Yeah, I know, but I can't believe you prefer cold cheese on a potato. Surely the, the goal is to have everything at the same temperature. Um, yes, uh, the homogeneity Let's of the food the is the ultimate goal. Let's abandon the we're going to do and instead focus entirely on sausages or something. Yeah, I actually ate sausage for tea. To eat for food. But let's get back to the point. The whole reason for this incredibly unplanned introduction is that Samsung issued a warning, a legal warning to users of some of its smart TVs that effectively said that it will listen to your your conversations in your room and transmit the data. Here is the word, uh, the wording inside the uh, legal agreement here. Blah, 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 blah. The company may, quote, capture voice commands and associated texts so that we, Samsung, can provide you with voice recognition features and evaluate and improve the features. So far, not too scary until you get a little bit further down. Please be aware that if your spoken words include personal or other sensitive information, that information will be among the data captured and transmitted to a third party through your use of voice recognition. That is to say, you might want to not read out your bank details in case it's sent to a disreputable (laughs) party. Now, Samsung spokeswoman came by and said that should consumers enable the voice recognition capability, the voice data consists of TV commands or search sentences only. Users can easily recognize if the voice recognition feature is activated because a microphone icon appears on the screen. Thus, the two sides of the argument are, yes, it will listen to your conversations, but it will only transmit what it determines to be a command aimed at the TV. So get out of my house, you cheating bastard unlikely to refer to anything on TV unless you're talking about Mad Men, for example, or something like that. Um, it's legal It's legal wording taken out of context and presented to the extreme, in my view. Ian, I wanted to know what your take is as a man who, as we know, is a fan of the uh, the television. Yeah, I, I don't... Unfortunately, I'd like to be able to present a counter-argument uh, there where I get very, very angry about how TVs are spying on us, but I really don't believe that. Um, I think that the ex- explanation is actually pretty reasonable. I think that there are so many devices in our lives now, like our phones, uh, you know, everything, my computer, everything's listening to me all the time. Everything has a microphone, uh, you know, and people could get into that nefariously or by design. Uh, and uh, I just, I find it very difficult to get upset about a TV mm. occasionally hearing what you say, um, particularly, and I think I think they, what they, the way they describe it does actually explain it pretty well. I think it's um, it's pretty reasonable. It it shows you when it's transmitting sound, so it's obvious if you're having an argument that you might want to stop if the TV suddenly switched to sort of recording. But 
does this ever happen? I mean, I would venture most people don't use the voice control function on their TV at all. Have you ever met anyone that wants to control their TV like that? Well, I, I mean, to be fair, no, but I think we've we've seen other applications of this where it might not be just to do with TV. And I wanted to raise the instance of the Xbox Connect, mm. which Microsoft put out as a way of controlling TV effectively because there were TV functions inside the Xbox One. And that was the first time that I would say a mass market product, given that you couldn't buy an Xbone without the Connect to begin with, a mass market product was in huge numbers of people's homes. And that was so unpopular that Microsoft figured it was actually beneficial to their business to ditch the Connect out of the box and just have it be an optional service because mm. no one even wanted it for gaming, let alone controlling anything else. So I don't, I can't imagine loads of people are using that as a service, no. But it did make me think that this is this is not the first time that we've had either the argument about TV spying on us. Again, with the Connect, actually, probably a good example. Um, I think it was... Uh, not last year, probably near the end of summer of 2013, we had the argument about the NSA using um, the Connect as a way of spying on potential <laughs> um, terrorists or, or what have you. And and, my, and Microsoft came out and said that they would, I think the quote was, fight the NSA um, if it tried to access Connect. But it was still very, mm. very present in the media for a while that these devices are really starting to listen to background commands and how many of those commands require network access and therefore how much of your personal detail uh, details might end up being transmitted over a network. Siri, on the iPhone, another example, you can only use Siri if you're connected to a network. Now, I'm not saying that I think Siri or, or Google Now, which works in the same way, does transmit any personal data but we all seem fairly comfortable to be carrying these devices around with us and they all have the potential to um to monitor your your speech well they do because all all of them google's yeah. apples all of them they all use cloud processing to do that they aren't it isn't done locally um which means that your voice is being transmitted and everything you say, especially after the command, OK, Google, or if your iPhone's plugged in, whatever it is, hey, Siri. Um, <laughs> it, so, you know, when you press the button, it, it, all of that goes. So you have to watch out. It will be picking up things in, in the surrounding. But of course, there isn't a human listening to any of this. It is all run by computers. It's, it, it's, like, the, um, it's like the Google Ads thing in, in Gmail. We all know that what Google does is it passes your email text and it presents you with relative, re relevant adverts based on things that you've been emailed. Google now pulls details out of your email and uses them to pre pre present timely information. So it knows when you've got a flight coming up and it puts a now notification in your uh, taskbar. You know, these are all things that are basically someone running a process that's spying on you, but it is a computer. And... You ha mm. you you know you I mean you could get worried about the fact that a computer somewhere is processing, you know, facts about you, but it's also processing facts about another billion people, and to go through those facts would be nearly impossible for a person. I mean, of course, it's all possible, but then if if you really want to install a Trojan on someone's Android phone, and you can turn their microphone on any time you want, and we we know yeah. a lot from you know the Edward Snowden fiasco that, that that is something that's well within the power of the nsa if they want to listen to conversations you have it isn't difficult at all um and ultimately i think we just have to deal with the fact that you know people are could be listening to a huge majority of what we say 
Yeah. I just I agree. I also agree. know I that agree. most home conversations are not interesting enough for anyone to bother with. That is another argument, and I, and I do quite often side on on that. But there is this sort of this feeling that that came out of. Um, uh, one of the journalists that was reporting, Glenn Greenwald, on the, um, mm. well, say reporting, he was doing a lot of the actual um, main reporting um, for that. Um, and he gave a great TED talk about how it's not necessarily that you're concerned that what you have to say is being transmitted somewhere or being interpreted or, or monitored. It's the fact that if you are, if you believe that you are in a situation where you could be monitored, you might. Um, actively stop saying what it is you might want to say you're keeping that mm. in just because even though you think you're generally quite a boring person maybe you don't want to do that that search because it might be seen out of context you know you might want to stop yeah. shouting words like terrorism or the queen or <laughs> bomb um, within a certain number of words with each other because or nice that work might there, trigger because we're we're conducting this call uh, via Google yeah. Hangouts, so uh, that's we've got no control over what happens to this audio. So you know what? Uh, that if, could if, easily, if, you know, we... if somebody wants to, to to scan this and and report on it, then please do because the publicity for the podcast would be tremendous. Um, <laughs> also, it will if, be in if, the show, so <laughs> there will be an archive yes. copy available. Exactly. But it, but it's one of those things where if you feel that you are being watched, then it might not be that you think you're a boring person, therefore it doesn't matter. It's that you might actually, on some level, actively start changing your behavior. Mm. And and that is not necessarily a way that we want people en masse to be thinking, because it's effectively, it, it's controlling a population through, through fear. You know, it's... Th- in 1984, which is obviously used a lot like this, it's not necessarily that um, you think you're always being monitored. It's the fact that you never know when you are or aren't. So probably best to uh, to just not say anything out loud. And... Well, that's the thing, is that obviously this this being TVs, obviously that sparked a whole thing because that's a huge part of the monitoring that goes on in 1984, isn't it? It's it's yeah. all done through TVs in the uh, a TV which you cannot turn off. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I want I to think... throw I want to throw another angle on this just before we wrap mm. up on on the uh, on the conversation, which is to just talk about the positive mm. benefits actually of what would happen if if conversations or at least keywords were monitored. I mean, think about the fact that live TV, no matter the success the success of catch up TV and watch later and stuff like this, live TVs are basically keeping broadcast TV. Um, relevant because people want live news and they want celebrity driven drivel to vote on on mass and then talk about on twitter on a second screen like that stuff is still killing it in terms of viewership and audience figures and obviously therefore mm. advertising what if there was a way of tying those conversations people were having in their homes into the program so you could maybe have some sort of anonymized sentiment um graph on screen like you know based on a sample of a hundred thousand homes in the country the conversations are generally using words like crap or tone <laughs> death or pretentious or prima donna or something like i could see those being used in an interesting way if switched on and opt in i could see that being quite fun yeah 
Um, <clears throat> to be honest with you, that that already happens a lot with social media. Um, there are companies dedicated to the the cause of monitoring what people say and using that to to decide sentiment on things. But yeah, I mean, uh, you could totally do it. You could probably almost do it now if you just. I mean, for for, for a start, Facebook was doing it, weren't they? That Facebook has that app that enable has that part to the app that enables you to monitor what's being what's happening on tv so they know what you're watching and stuff like that so really we're, we're definitely mm, getting yeah. there and I, I suppose you could say that there there might be some positives to that um i i don't know I, I every day something new happens that makes us reassess what we know about privacy and you know and what what we're going to have to accept and I suppose you can always opt out of everything at the moment. If you couldn't, that might be more of a concern. Um, and for a start, like I say, I would probably disable that feature. I don't think it offers a huge amount to me. I've um, I've got Amazon Fire TV, and that has a, a button you press and hold to search with your voice. And I do use it occasionally. Um, but again, it's relatively easy to know when that's happening. Um, and I'm, I'm, I trust it not to be transmitting all the time because basically it's done in the remote and it would be almost impossible for it to do that without killing its own batteries. Um, I, I suppose I don't really care, but maybe in a, maybe if it gets worse, then I might feel differently about it. Have yeah. something happened to me? Have I, have I basically become compliant? Old. Old. Just don't care anymore. No, I realised I was old the other week when I realised I preferred non-alcoholic beer to alcoholic beer. That's when I realized I've transitioned into being, you know, uh, sort of a, a young man who, who's, you know, um, who, who's getting older and doing things to being an actual grown up. It was the day I realized I don't like being drunk and I'm buying beer because I like the taste, <laughs> you not like because the taste. I like the effect. Yeah. Like that's yeah. how I realized I was old. But I think that this is all necessary stuff. This is an interest, uh, an industry, massive industries taking baby steps towards the goal it ultimately wants, which is the ability to make more personalized products. It's kind of a, a Goliath on a pair of stilts for the first time. You know, it's a big thing. It's trying to get somewhere, but it's going to make some mistakes on the way. That's how I've decided we're going to conclude the discussion. And <laughs> I've just decided that's your sentiment. Therefore, it's going to be mine too. Or rather, it's going to Excellent. be ours. Would you would you agree with that? I would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And ultimately, I I do like being able to talk to things as well. I want to live yeah. in Star Trek. Yeah. Well, to be honest, mate, so do I because I want to go out with Kess. My girlfriend knows this perfectly well. That <laughs> Kess to me is. Uh... We'll just end the show there, shall we? Um, if whether you agree with Ian and I or not, you can email us langson at icloud dot com. NB we. Yeah, that's Latin, actually. I'm going to say um, <laughs> also, also, we will be getting a podcast uh, version of the email address for emailing in. I just haven't set one up yet, but I will be doing. And thank you to everyone who's been emailing in and leaving reviews on the iTunes store. It's really helping because we've already hit um, the charts uh, on two occasions in the top 10, and it, it goes up and down massively. Um, uh, the show that is nothing else. Um, in the in the in the chart, so keep those coming. It's really really useful. And um, Ian and I will catch you on another episode. Cheers, Ian. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.